This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowships. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. All right, this is this is uh, it's going to be a fun topic. Usually, when you talk about someone's weaknesses, you get their flesh, and hopefully, as we talk about the weaknesses of a woman today, we will get the spirit, so that the spirit can bring transformation and renewal to the men and women, not just the women. This is not a topic for the women. And you will soon pick up on that. Truth being said is that the scriptures address the men. And uh, there are some people out there that absolutely hate this idea of the scriptures actually being written to the men. And they have finally praised to whoever their God is, finally, have come up with a non-masculine, gender-friendly Bible. And I got an email from someone that said it is actually classified as the first feminist Bible on the face of the earth. That's the new NIV. You see, they hate the idea of the Bible being written, God actually speaking to the head of the home. Now, before we get started, I want to give you the order of the Word of God. Very, very simple order. I mean, it's really not that complex. When you go in and you talk to, to churches about, um, you know, let's get things or in order. Let's get things organized so that your church can flow more, flow more fluidly. That seems to be a good goal to me. And so the very first thing that you do is you got to look at their org chart. And when you look at their org chart, it basically says, who's the boss? Who do I answer to? So even when I went in uh, recently to an international ministry and board members flew in from all over the world and consultants were there and blah, blah, blah. And so um, they thought it was a little bit unusual that I was asking questions like, who's your daddy? Who's your boss? Who do we answer to here? Who is it? Is it the chairman of the board? Is it the founder and visionary of this ministry? Is it some controlling uh, employee? Who is it? And it's usually, the answer usually is the one who has control of the most control strings. That, that, that from the hand go to these little boxes as I drew it out for them. Uh, these little boxes, whether they are departments, whether they are people's lives, or whatever they are. Control freaks. They will destroy ministry so fast, it is ridiculous. Well, the same thing works in a family. Who's, who's to be in charge? Now, we wrestle with that. So we get into the Word of God and we try to find the order. We get into books that people have written to try to find the order. The fact is, God doesn't struggle with this. God speaks in a very specific order. And this order that God speaks in is immovable on his part. He doesn't change it according to the struggles of the people of the church. So because women 
because of the fall, have a hard time receiving truth from a male, God doesn't change that to make her feel better or happier or to receive the truth more palatable. He keeps everything the same. So God speaks to the head of, in, in respects to the family. God speaks to the head of the home. So the question is, who is to be speaking to the head of the home? Who? The elders. Who's to be speaking to the elders? The Holy Spirit. Who speaks to the Holy Spirit? Jesus Christ. Who speaks to Jesus Christ? God. That is the order, and God never deviates from that order. God speaks only to his Son. The Son speaks to the, to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit does exactly what the Word of God says. It says, For I bring to remembrance the words of Jesus. He's not, he's not out there trying to find a postmodern cultural way of saying the words of Jesus so the people of Jesus, whoever that Jesus is, would receive this truth. It is a very simple plan of the Holy Spirit bringing the words of Jesus exactly like Jesus heard them from the Father. Then these elders who are leaders of the church, they are apostles and, and pastors of churches and so forth and so on. These elders are supposed to be preaching the word to the heads of home. Does that mean that the ladies should not be in these early churches? Absolutely, they, they should be and were. But see, they found that their silence provokes desperateness in their men. And as long as the woman is taking the notes in the, in the fellowship, the man will not. As long as he knows the woman is getting the vision and the purpose statements of God, he will not. Many times the actions of women provoke laziness in their men. And it creates a panic in their hearts and they and they want to run to the pastor they want to run to Peter and say well I have to control them because they don't do anything they're passive and what did Peter say to these gals in chapter 3 of 1st Peter go home and speak to them at home about this go home and speak to them in a private place like your prayer closet What do you say? Okay, so it's a very simple principle. He, Peter says to these gals, for any of you who have husbands who are disobedient to the word, you need to win them without a word, but by your just and pure behavior, so that. Now the so that is, 
is it puts these men in the position that they actually have to go somewhere to get the answers. As long as they view their wives as the ones who have the answers, they will not be connected to the church structure's leadership. They will run to their wives. It is their default from the garden. So if you put just these simple pieces together that I've spoken of so far, you will literally have the reasoning for the revision of the NIV, the gender-friendly NIV, on why there's so much money, power, and politics being put behind why they needed a feminist Bible. That is what that revision is. And there's a bunch of leaders, from what I'm being told, that are going to come out and start calling it the feminist Bible. Because we need to create a fence with the standardized Christians from the Word of God of saying, this is wrong, this is evil, this is not God. The reason why God wrote the words to men is so that men will go home and wash their wives with the word. Peter is not to carry the responsibility of washing those wives. It's not his job, nor was it appropriate. The one who shares and washes with the word is the one who earns the intimate relationship. So when a woman becomes dependent on a speaker, a teacher, or someone outside of their husband, there's a transference of affection. So young ladies who are not married to get it from their fathers, the washings, does not mean that you cannot listen and hear the word of truth. It's the washing. With washing, there's scrubbing, there's agitation. There's cleansing in a way that is not just by hearing the word of God. So, if we had ten quality theologians in this room, if, and if they are quality theologians that know the word, they're all going to agree to one simple factor. The word of God was written to men. And that the word of God customarily, with manners and culture back then, is they were to wash their wives with this word. They were to hear it from the elders, and then they were to go wash their wives with it, and the wives were to take it and turn around and wash the children with it, and it's called homeschooling. Which it's not in God's eyes. It's the system of washing. Well, there is... There are people, males and females, that are offended by this. So they are restructuring the final details that will literally set the Antichrist up to have absolute full control over family life. Now we heard a, a uh, message yesterday. It was the last one of the day that we heard at this, this convention of the plan that the UN has. And it would, any Christian that would hear that and not would become extremely concerned is probably unsaved. It was that startling. There's no way you could not hear that the UN has a plan to actually take full control over family life and not become alarmed as a Christian. 
You see, but there's a plan even behind what this 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 uh, attorney was telling us. There's even a plan behind the UN's plan to get this uh, child. What did they? CRC. Which is. So, remember when I talked about a few weeks ago, Satan working from the bottom up? The dog, animal rights, children. This is the same order it unfolded in American history. Animal rights, children, wife, husband, church leadership. So that is how he did it. That's how he's doing it. And it is how he will get in that top position of elder in the world. So, it is not a surprise to us that PETA is out there threatening Zondervan so, to write this new translation for the animal lovers. And interesting as it is, the article said they will be referencing animals as he and she. So animals get the prerogative and the right to be called he, but men do not. Satan is very threatened here. As the attorney and I talked after the meeting, the, it's absolutely critical that Satan, the UN, gets parents out of the way. They are slowing down this system. But I'm here to tell you today, Christians are slowing down the system I just explained to you. We are slowing down our own system that God gave us to function in a healthy manner. So what are some of the most common weaknesses you know and have heard about women? Emotional? Emotional. Controlling. Controlling? Too wordy, too verbal. Okay. Lattes. Lattes, yeah, yeah. Okay. What is the most annoying symptom or characteristic? Because it really is a symptom of the flesh. But what is the most annoying symptom of the flesh that you see women do? I mean, think about your mother, or your aunt, your grandma. I don't know. Think of someone who had problems in this area. Nagging. Okay, now define nagging for me. Huh? Okay. Do you remember when Paul had a thorn in the flesh and this was a messenger of Satan to buffet him, to keep him from exalting himself? So he was quite harassed by this, so he decided to entreat the Lord three times that it might part from him. That was such a grave offense to Paul. I would have prayed three times per minute and have. No, three times in his ministry he appeals to God to have this pain removed from his life. He is really hurting here. Because Paul understood a basic principle of the power of the word. You speak once in faith and you believe and you leave it alone. But see, we don't live in a society like that. We don't live in a church like that. 
We have learned as a body of Christ to henpeck Jesus Christ to death. Well, he's already dead, buried, resurrected. There's no point. We're trying to bring out more perfection in Christ than actually exists. It's done. It's finished. So in our relationship with Christ as bridal members, we simply need to speak the truth, say it, and be done. Let faith do the rest. But it is unrealistic for us to expect that. Because the most common flesh reactions of the body of Christ are no different than the common flesh reactions of those of a woman. And I'm going to show you that today from the Greek and the Hebrew. This is probably one of the most significant messages of truth that we find in Paul's writings and in Peter's writings. Extremely significant in respects of understanding the body of Christ. Someone read this paragraph to, to us while I get my water. This is done either because the body is frail and feeble, like an earthen vessel, easily broken, or because it is that in which the soul is lodged, or because, in accordance with the frequent use of the word, the body is the instrument by which the soul accomplishes its purpose, or is the helper of the soul. Now, I know um, I'm going to speak for myself. When I have someone reading... My, my mind wanders. Um, I think it's next to pointless to actually print things like this and then turn around and read them. But we do it because if we don't, the percentage of learning even drops or retaining even drops lower. So people put this in songs. They put it in poetry. They put it in books. The writing of books is endless, I understand that. But they put it in books. They put it in sermons. And people still don't get it. The parallel of what God said, the human body is the parallel of marriage. The human marriage is the mirrored image, or is supposed to be, of Jesus Christ and his bride. And that marriage of Jesus Christ and the bride are to be the perfect, glorified reflection of the face of God, who is the Word. That's it. He gave us the natural things to understand the supernatural elements of eternity, the face of God. Every star reflects his face. Every tree. Every human body. The strong part of what you're looking at up here is obviously not my body. If I don't put a few pills into this body, I'm in trouble. The strong part of what you're looking at here is my mind. It's my head. But you see, I need the body for the head to function. 
Now, I can lose an arm, and I can lose a leg, and I can lose all kinds of body parts, and the body will say to each other, we need to learn how to compensate. We got a foot gone here. We got an arm gone. And the most interesting thing is, as a neurologist uh, tells you and tells me, and my brother-in-law even tells me, is that your leg can be gone and you can still feel your toes. The body is designed to say you are complete and you are whole. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Now compensate and make it work. The woman is the body to the man who is head of the home. She is frail. She's weak. My body is frail. It's weak. It needs lots of care. But even though some people will disagree with this, my, my head doesn't need as much care. Well, that does bring up a very interesting question is, all right, whose, whose mind is Finney functioning from? I have to plead every day of my life to make sure that the crap that's inside my mind doesn't get out. Because Satan put it there during my flesh years. And he knows it likes to find its way out and control the body. There are scriptures I'm going to show you that says that is why the body is sick. Because the mind is sick. And the reason why we die in sin is because we are sick in the mind. And without the mind of Christ, we're going to die. Spiritually, psychologically, and physically. It is the mind that keeps the body alive. It is the man that keeps his woman alive. Without question. Mix it up, and you're going to have yourself, not an emergent Bible, a schizophrenic, dysfunctional body fighting the mind, the head, hitting on it. You know, acting spazzo because it's not cooperating with the mind. The body is supposed to be 100% obedient to the mind so it can just do the work. It's not to so it can brag about, yes, I obey my mind 100%. No, it's so we can simply... If I have hand gestures, it's because that's what's in my mind. The reasons why the term vessel was given to a wife is quite apparent. Just as the body is a vessel to house the soul and to be a helper, so is the wife a vessel for the husband to accomplish his purpose. Well, the reason why it was not good for man to be alone because he, he'd be ahead rolling through the garden. He needed feet. He needed arms. He needed a heart beat. He needed nerves. He needed blood cells. He needed to bleed. He needed to hear ouch. You see, the woman is supposed to be feeding her father or her husband all the external dangers and blessings to feed the head information it's time to rejoice in the Lord. Or to feed the information is watch out, that plate is hot. The most common sin that women commit is covert 
do it yourself. I'm not going to help you. So men get their hands burned. I've heard so many women in 30 plus years of counseling say, why is it always the women that have to learn this? Why is the, the emphasis put upon the woman to make sure she's quiet or to help him or to whatever? Because it's your job. You are the body of the man, the head of the home. I'm not sure that God picked that word because it's a unique word. He's the head of the woman, the body. We are the body of Christ. Was that an accident that, that Christ used that terminology? I don't think so, particularly when the original Greek and Hebrew says she's the body. So when he put Adam to sleep and took a rib out of his body, he formed her from the body to create her to be his body so that she can have all of her senses working for her husband. Why? So he can entertain himself with international affairs. The kingdom of God. But if he's caught up, like a soldier's caught up in daily affairs because his wife is lazy or rebellious or covertly saying, I obey you, but has a knife in her hand, he can never trust her because he can't even trust his own body. He should never fear the hand of his wife. Ever fear the hand of his wife. And after the fall, that is exactly what Adam feared is what was in her hand. Do you understand that? Her hand was meant to feed him. There was nothing weird going on here. He wasn't out of place. He wasn't, he wasn't sinning before he sinned by taking the apple from her hand because she was designed by God to take the fruit and feed him. So when he took the fruit out of her hand, it was, yeah, of course I take the fruit out of her hand. She's designed to feed me, care for me, cover me. All feed the mind. So the mind can carefully take care of all of it. So Satan knows what I just said. He was there. He does not want the church to get back to the basics of the design of creation. That film that we watched earlier of that baby being formed in the womb, God was meticulously putting this order in place. It is not meant that she is to be feeble or a feeble capacity or inferior of mental uh, equality, but that she is more tender and delicate more uh, subject to infirmities and weaknesses, less capable of enduring fatigue and toil, less adapted to uh, rough storms and the high seas of distresses and whatever. Just as the human body is a weak vessel housing the soul, mind, will, and emotions, and the body of Christ, the weaker of the marriage unit of Jesus Christ is the body of Christ. We are his weakness. So when Christ came along and told Paul when he was freaking out on the third time he appealed to the Lord on this, exactly what was it the husband said to him again? Not Christ Jesus, 
Jesus Christ, his husband, his head. What was it he said again? What are those famous words? My grace is completely sufficient, honey. For my power is perfected in your body. You see, on this trip, I had a rough time getting there because of the heart pills and whatever. When I got there, I got on my hands and knees, and so did my, my dad put his hands on me, and he prayed over me. And we prayed that God would rise above the physical, and I would inherit the supernatural anointing of what, this commission that I was assigned to do. And so what happened is the whole week was exactly that. The energy level was up. The ability to, 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 to move and breathe and, and have order and all this stuff. In fact, the board of directors said, this is one of the most miraculous times that we have seen in this ministry since I've been a part of it. Well, it wasn't me. It was the anointing of God rising me above my physical weaknesses so the mind of Christ could have full control over that ministry. That's all it was. People, oftentimes, who minister, when they're done ministering, they feel like they're going to die. Well, what is that dynamic? It's because that the power of the Holy Spirit rises above the physical, whether they got cancer, whether they have heart failure, whether they have whatever, rises above the physical weaknesses and shows the power of God. That's what Jesus Christ, Paul's husband, was saying to Paul. Honey, 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 my grace is sufficient. My power is perfected when your body is weak. Because I get the glory. I can guarantee you that over 90% of the women that walk the face of the earth refuse to give men glory. Refuse to give men glory. And it is a commission by the Hebrew scriptures that women are the glory of men. Their hair is the literal symbol. They are. When, a, when the outside world looks at a preacher, teacher, they should look at that teacher and look through his wife and say, yeah, I know why he is a dynamic head of the home. But if she is shamed to him, then the glory has to be bypassed over her, looked in him. Wow, he's got a real kind of weird wife, but, you know, he really knows how to preach the word of God. Yes, God will get the glory anyway. But that is, that is what the body's for. The reason why these people run around spending billions of dollars on supplements and buffing their bodies out is because they know when they stand in front of the mirror, the body's what gets the glory. You know, you might tuck and shave and, you know, stretch up here, but it's the body that gets the glory. It's the body that lures a man into lust. It's a body that lures a woman into lust. It's the body. That's it. So God used his creation to have glory pass through the woman 
into the man's head. If he takes it in a prideful way, God will deal with him. And he is to take it and pass it on to his husband, Jesus Christ. Who is her husband? Because she's one with him. God said, when a head of home gets saved, someone want to finish the rest of the verse? You and your household shall be saved. When a man is saved, it is dominoes. But if you have a saved child or a saved wife or whatever, you hear constantly, please, please pray for my husband. He is not saved and he's blah, 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 blah. And it takes years and 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 years sometimes. But the fact is, if the head of the home, if the head is saved, there's even a promise with the commission. Your whole household will get saved. Because it's the way it works. You see what I'm saying? Well, why wouldn't God read the write the word for the men? Because if he gets it, the whole house will get it. And since he's a governor of the community, the whole community is going to get it. But if you have these lazy men sitting there and their wives are taking all the notes and reading all the devotional books and reading all the books that they don't even know that they're, he's what she's reading and on and on and on and on, he's like, ah, where's me out watching her? Women wear men out by their dynamics. Unless it's invested in them. So all spiritual gifting is put in a woman to exalt the man's ministry. So he can exalt God. One man per house, one ministry per house. You have plurality of ministry in the home, I start praying for the family. When they did the survey in the early 90s, it was estimated that an average church family, there was four ministries. Kids were involved in the youth ministry. The younger ones were involved in, you know, adventure jump land uh, ministry at church. And the, the father was involved in the men's ministry. And the woman was involved in the women's ministry. Interesting thing is surveys show us to this very day and that 62%, this was right before I left Phoenix, 62% of the church ministry in America is completely run by women. Less than 10% was men. So who's doing the rest? Children's ministry. Same plan the UN has. You really have to be beyond ignorant not to see this. Satan will use, even in church, to have the biggest ministry be children. Then women. Then whatever's left for the men. And that's the way it is in almost every church you're going to walk in all over the world. We are now upside down. Officially. Our Bibles are literally being written upside down we're beyond sick we are full on rebels of the kingdom of God his own people so there's going to be a very select few that get this and want the real deal very few 
But I know I'm going to my grave preaching it, teaching it, uniting as many ministries and churches with the common goal of Jesus Christ is head of the body of Christ. The man is head of the body of humans. And dogs are dogs. And they don't go to heaven. <laughs> I don't care what the new NIV is going to come out with. I'm sure there's going to be dog salvation in that thing. You know, and dogs go to heaven. But it's a lie. There are humans that have closer relationships with animals than they do their own children. And they speak to them as if they have some life form. They do not. They have bodies and they have souls, mind, will, and emotions, but they have no life form, which life means spirit. They're to be appreciated. Loved, enjoyed, <laughs> but you never put a dog in a decision-making process of a human. You think you see animal rights today. I'm telling you, this is my prediction, whether it's worth anything or not. Within 10 years, animals will be ruling the world. If you hurt an animal, you will be arrested violation of a UN law of life because that could have been your grandma and that is how a lot of those religions think can't step on an ant you might get arrested that might be grandpa <laughs> meanwhile we're killing babies by the billions there's a plan <laughs> let's shoot our wives how about if we get our children to rise up and kill their parents That'd be cool. It's right out of Jesus' mouth. We'll be saving dogs and murdering the parents. Why? Because parents have no rights. Well, you can see what Satan's doing. She may have mental endowments equal to his own. In many cases, and I truly believe this, have greater capacity why do I think that's cool? Is because without my, my wife's mind and her capacity, I, th I don't know how many accidents I would have had yesterday alone. You see, I need my wife. I need her fingers, her toes, her feet, her arms, her elbows, her kisses. I need all that in order to be a man. You want to know why we have that other movement going on? Duh. So, Satan tries to get everything upside down. And he does it, and I hate to say it, through you women. Because it works. Oh yeah, he'll have the men moving them around like rings in their noses. I can assure you of that. It, and God will put full responsibility on them. Yes. I'm not and don't want God standing in front of me saying, Stephen, you did not speak out against this evil translation. I don't want that on my back. If God reveals it, it is my responsibility to preach it, 
even if I get hurt and rejected and it's not popular. It is my responsibility to teach the truth that is, as it is revealed. Okay. Then result being, God gets his job accomplished through his riches and his glory, which comes from this side all the way through working up. If you have a proper godly perspective of your animals, then your children, then the wives, then yourself, then Jesus Christ through the, the elders, and then the Holy Spirit, and then Jesus Christ, you will know God, which is just the starting point for wisdom. So a lot of the wisdom that's floating around here, as Jesus' half-brother said, is evil and demonic. If it makes sense to the earth, I know it's wrong. If it's popular, I know it's wrong. Because truth is not like that. Truth hurts. It's challenging. It demands repentance and change. We have 16 characteristics we're going to go through. We are not going through all those right now. But I'm going to give you a couple of these to show you what the Hebrew says characteristically about the woman. Number one, uh, it says that the woman is timid. And timid is demonstrating the lack of courage or self-assurance. Courage comes from a word picture of lion. Lion has always been associated with the character of courage. He's the king of the forest, the courageous one, etc. So as the lion roars, there's all these old techniques put in place in, in his creation that his very presence is unbelievably overwhelming. Jesus Christ, the husband, has been associated with what? The Lion of, of Judah. He's also been associated as the little lamb. Do you know who the little lamb is? You. You see, when he marries you, you become the lamb. He becomes the lion. When it says Jesus is the Lamb of God, we become one in that marriage. We become strategically the Lamb, the Bride of Christ, the weak part. And the Lion is the courageous, which he is coming, roaring as a lion, to accomplish some things that I believe I know there's a lot of theologians that believe that the Christians are going to fight in this battle. I don't. Because women, Hebrew women, were never to see their men angry. And if they saw their husbands get angry, they would turn their heads. And I don't think God changes up the Hebrew stuff by the time the end times show up. We're lambs. We're weak lambs that can be led to slaughter by simply one potato chip. We're lambs. 
And because we get the privilege of being married to Jesus Christ, the lion, the one of courage, we have the lion and the lamb. Perfect marriage. When a man is a lion in his household, his children fear him properly. And the wife is demonstrating to the children how lambs are. The first part of Jesus' coming, the first coming, was the lamb stuff. It was for us. He was introducing to us that we're going to be lambs. The lamb of God. Bride of Christ. So, the second coming, he's coming as a lion. Drawn sword, fire in his eyes, full on colors. Going to war? Oh, we're going to be wanting to turn our heads, I'm afraid. Our husband's upset. That's a beautiful marriage. And the only reason why I know this stuff is because I've hung out with people that believe in solid truth. And if you keep hanging out with people who believe in absolute truths, one after the next, after the next, after the next, more pieces are given to you of the full picture, even though we'll never get it completely. You hang out with liars, you're going to get fragmented pieces of puzzles thrown all over the room, and you'll never get to see the real picture. You'll die and be put in your coffin and put into the ground, never discovering the big picture. I don't want to be one of them. So I choose to hang out not just with people of truth. I seek out people with quality, dedication to truth. And I have found them. Not all of them. Because God uses them for the body of Christ all over the world. But I've got a handful in my life that are flat out, right on, dynamic preachers of truth. That are not afraid of rejection to speak it. The next one is loving and affection. uh, Demonstrating or showing love by touch. The problem is... Most women are male-deprived, either by daddy or when they get married by their husbands. So what has happened in our culture today since the 60s is that the emphasis in the church is being put upon the man has to be the touchy one, the feely one, the affectionate one, getting in touch with his female side is what came out in the 70s. That actually came out of the 60s. By truth, it is the woman's responsibility to show touch, not the man. The man is to respond to touch. Now, it doesn't mean it is that way 100%. It does get cyclic. It works together. Touch on touch, touch on touch, touch on touch. But many times, the woman has to reach over and touch the man's arm when an accident is about ready to happen. Many times, the woman has to reach over and touch the man when, she's, when he's staring out the window because she knows that he is bothered by something. And, and on and on and on. It's by that touch. We are responsible as the bride of Christ to touch Christ. He says, come unto me if you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay, let's translate it out. 
Now the husbands, come unto me, honey, when you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And if she says, no, you're, not, you're just not a good husband, you should be picking up on that. Eh, push the button, wrong answer. His head is to be caught up in international affairs. Kingdom of God. You see? He needs to be reminded of the soldier's daily affairs by the touch. A gentle, sweet touch. And it brings him from that strategic mind kinds of stuff down to the reality of his home. And if you work that together right, you've got yourself a powerful family. It doesn't make him better. But if you want to keep doing the 70s thing and feminizing your male, go for it. Because all you're going to really get out of the deal is a bunch of nothingness. Children running wild, either in their minds or through their flesh. Rebels at heart. So it says to us in 2 Samuel, I am distressed for you, my brother, Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of a woman. If your husband, your father, does not have a male friend, he is in serious trouble. He will become a loner, an independent, and a man that cannot be addressed. Men need a relationship that a woman cannot offer him. So if she's ever threatened by the Jonathan relationship, then we have to ask some questions of him. Are you responding to her touch? Because the touch is for the response. So most women know if you touch a man, you're going to get a response. One way or another. It's because it's in our design. So a man needs to have a friendship that is so close and so dynamic. And if she is threatened by that, it gives us proof in the pudding that we need to, to talk to them, make sure his family's okay. But he needs a Jonathan in order to pull all those pieces together that she has fed him. A brother to plead with and to cry with and to call out with and to go to war with and on and on and on. And then number three is tender. A woman is tender, of course. She's sensitive and caring toward others and often feeling emotions in intensely. Men are given compassion only because God decides to give it to them. Men are classically dead on arrival at an accident. And I'm glad they are. Because they shift into, what must I do? Whereas a woman may show up on the scene and she's like feeling, oh my goodness, her children are... And she's thinking of all the emotional things connected to this person being in this accident. Now, she could be trained to be a warrior, an EMT or, you know, whatever. She can be trained to act like a male. That, that has happened, I think. And 
he can be trained to act like a woman. So he's sitting there at the accident crying. Wondering about what this poor lady's children are going to think when, when they find out she's, she's dead. You see, the design is that the men are to be out there on the front line taking the hits, laying their bodies on their leaders and get taking the stabbing so their leader can continue to make decisions and, and fighting in arm in arm with their brother and uh, getting to these accidents and knowing exactly what they need to do. And if they don't know what they need to do, they take action to go get it done. But since the roles are reversed, since we're upside down at the accident, here's what happens. The woman looks around at these men since the 70s and they're, they're seeing the men are acting like women. I can remember labels being said to men in the late 70s that are not very nice. Accusing them to be more female than male. So the ladies are like, he won't do it. Someone's got to stop the bleeding here. So she gets out her little first aid kit or she starts ordering people around and saves a life. And the guy's sitting on the curb shaking. Someone has feminized that poor little boy to be a poor little man. Instead of grabbing a sword saying, we need to fix this right now and I don't know how to do it. So let's work together, guys. Let's get this car off of the lady and blah, blah, blah. Those days are gone. Women going to war? Well, it's already happening. But it's already being proven they're better warriors than men. They think it through better. They're better at strategic war design. Sitting at the computers, telling guys where to fire. And the guys are out in the field going, Okay, she said, push a button. Let's push it. You go read the reports. You go find out where the women are in war. They're not the ones carrying the guns around. They do. No, that's not where they're putting them. Men have lost the edge. We're upside down in war. We're upside down in politics. We're upside down in the church. We're upside down in family. We're upside down in community. This is so ripe for something very significant to change. All done through the woman. Covering number four, which is looking at the verse, does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is dishonored to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. So that long hair thing that the homeschoolers are into, or whoever, is supposed to be a statement of glory. It's supposed to be a statement of, I'm under someone's submission. So I say, gals that really haven't got this figured out, go butch your hair. Cut it. Because that's kind of what you're saying. And you know what? That's what they did. 
Women started, be, started getting shorter and shorter and shorter hair, and Satan always turns sin into a fashion. So once the fashion is out there and everyone starts doing it, pretty soon she no longer has any glory. She feels threatened because she doesn't have any more glory. So what does she do? She steals it from the man. What's a man's glory? His muscle. Have you ever noticed how boys about six, seven years of age start doing this? That's their glory. It's their power. It's their strength. It's their roar. And uh, ladies feel robbed, so they rob it. Simple deal. We could literally list what I have covered over the practical attacks of Satan on one piece of paper. Hand it out to every Christian in the world, and if they embrace that truth, because it's right from the scriptures, Satan would be put in his grave that day. But that won't happen. Now, I'm going to finish with this. We have many more points to cover on this, of course. But I'm going to finish with this, this little uh, principle. If, that, if, the, if all these arenas that I've just shared with you were upside down, would you agree that they are? So then, wouldn't the, wouldn't the final step be Christians are upside down? They're awkward? They're backwards? They're not the real deal? But the real deal is this church over here that I see kind of flows. Well, I better not go from top down. They're flowing. They see it as the top down. But they see the flow going this way. You know, they're all into animal rights. They have their own translation now and the feminist culture. It's all working this way. But it'll be turned this way. And you'll have, you know, your first female president. And you know, I hear about these people arguing about you know, is this the season for our female president, whatever I'm like. Would Americans wake up? There have been women in superpower positions for centuries. I can tell you denominations that were started by women. No one made a big fuss about it then. Oh, because it's the president of the United States? It's a huge issue? No. It's all about the woman wanting first place. I want to be the first black woman that ever got on a bus that drove across the... I want to be the first woman to be in that office. I want to be the first woman to ride that long. I want to be the first female astronaut. I want to be the first... The man is in first place, Paul said. The only thing she did in first place was commit sin. And that's a horrid mark in the history of creation. But it has to be accepted. As man has to accept the responsibility for choosing likewise. So when Paul says, for it was the woman who first sinned, he wasn't saying it to make women feel bad. He was saying what I'm saying, and that is it's all about who's in first place. Christ is first Man is second, women are third, animals are fourth.
You give your spiritual gifting, time, priority, and money in that same order. That's it. Satan hates it. Because he isn't on the list. He wants the money. He wants the women. He wants the wannabe men who are kind of male, kind of female. He wants all of them. Just to simply bow at his feet and kiss his toes. Only for a second, because he knows how it's going to turn out. The first lips that touch his toes is toast. It's over. As soon as it happens, that day that it happens, Christ is saying, it is done. I will share my glory with no one. So, this is huge. This is not a fun little secondary teaching. This is absolutely huge for the body of Christ. So before we take communion, this is certainly bound to arouse a few questions or comments. So anybody, what's come to mind? If it's old stuff, old hat, praise God for the review. If it's new and challenging, hallelujah. If it's sparked rebellion, I will pray for you. Because God will win this one. This is so simple to God. And, he, and we were warned many times, do not forsake the simplicity of of the gospel the simplicity of Christ first second third fourth the simplicity of the gospel is in the simplicity of order for God is a God of order the first thing you do when you go in to help a church or a ministry or a family get their household in order is put the family in order. We're not going to resolve your marriage issues. We're not going to resolve your children issues. We're not going to resolve your financial issues until you decide this is God's order. If not, I'm simply feeding you a bunch of stuff. And if the children or the woman or whatever Many times nowadays, it's the man goes, no, no, we don't believe that. We're 50-50. Really? How's that working? It's not working for our nation. That's why they have a president. Doesn't work for corporations. That's why they have a president. Doesn't work for a community. That's why they have a mayor. Doesn't work for the military. That's why they have a commander-in-chief. So how, how's this working for you? Because that's not the point. She's saying, I will not be in second place. I will not. Okay, now that is a, that is a, a good illustration of 
you take that pizza place that we were in and that gang was sitting there and who know who you know whoever the other people were you got evil around you and you are sensing picking up on all this Q's sitting there talking like you know duh what's it's a great day isn't it and should be you're picking up on all the stuff now what you do with it at that point proves your Christianity or insults it. So, if the if she leans over to her husband and goes, okay, there's a gang at the table next to us and I'm getting weirded out. And he leans over, see the touch. He leans over, puts his arm around the wing. We are under the wing of Jesus. We are to be in his shadow. And that's Okay, and I don't mind being there now. And he puts his wing around you and goes, Okay, let's pray about this right now. If it's that serious of a fear, then he just brings it before his and her, since they're one, brings it before his husband and says, Jesus, we are suffering with fear. And you just righteously take control of it. It is your responsibility to trust in his words. Whether he's a good prayer or not. And you go, you go at peace in an evil world. That's how it's supposed to work. But if you lean over and, and you say, Oh, there's a gang right next to us. And, and he's like, oh, Lighten up. Quit freaking out. They're not going to hurt you. Okay, that works. Does that work, ladies? No, it doesn't work. So when men use logic, when men use their head and don't connect to their body at that moment, the head stuff doesn't work. Okay, we are going to have communion today. And if you would open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Eleven. And uh, starting at the verse uh, 23. It says, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, our husband, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And um, my mind always picks out these little details that I have not heard in common church very often. And that is the fact that this is during the time of great betrayal. This, this breaking of the bread, breaking of the woman the body and the wine the blood of the husband was done in the midst of full on betrayal even from his other disciples not just from Judas the why were you sleeping thing is an insult it's a form of betrayal Jesus was alone. And he is, 
he's showing them and demonstrating to them an act of unity that they must do over and over and over to remember that when you feel betrayed, when you are alone, when you're being pulled apart, when you are letting your blood for my name's sake, do this in remembrance of your husband. So guys, just from here on out, whenever you're reading the Bible and, and it says Jesus Christ, just say it, husband, my husband. He's your husband. When it says body of Christ, it's the woman. So say it, just so it, 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 it rings. You got a husband and wife demonstration. Put right there, we're going to be broken and torn apart for his name's sake. We, the body of Christ. He says, you will suffer as I have suffered. And then some. We are this communion. Because we're the bride of Christ. And that's why you must be saved in order to take communion. You can't be a part of the communion. Jesus Christ and the wife. Unless you're saved. That was the original reason why if you are not saved, you, can, you have to let this cup pass. Jesus was the Son of God, so the cup could not pass. He goes on and says in verse 24, he says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. which is for you, and do this in remembrance of me. And he's saying, this is, this is my bride. And it's going to be broken. And when I think about the hurting Christians in the world today and the stuff that I read and, and what goes on, it's, I, I know it's what he was saying. This is, this is my bride. This is my body. Broken. And he's going to come back and he's going to get her. But he's saying this, this is prophetic. He's saying you're going to suffer. You're, you're, you're going to be torn on my behalf. You're going to be ripped. You're going to be pulled apart. This is my body. This is my bride. This is you, Peter, John. This is you. This is me. This is my blood. And I am going to shed this for you. So you do not have to be alone. And when you are desperately feeling betrayed, know this, that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Ever. Because you are my body. He can't function without a body. You want to know why creation happened? Because the head needed a body. You can pump it, whatever you want into creation to make it all about humans. But God put a body to the head. As simple put as we can make it. So, when we read this, there is a significant statement being said about marriage. 
about us. He says, in the same way he took the cup also after supper. So they were already completely satisfied. They said, no arousal of temptation of getting that bread in their mouth because they're hungry. They are satisfied. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, this being the blood, and we know that Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood for us so that we may have redemption. He's our redeemer. He's our husband. And he takes our life. And he himself broke it. He did the tearing. He did the breaking. He is going to break his bride to see how many in the end endure to the end for those, quote-unquote, shall be saved. Christ, your husband's doing the chastising. He's doing it. He might use Satan's efforts. He's doing this. And then he takes that, that bridal member that has survived to the end. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. And the blood of Christ consumes that female. The identity of Jesus Christ fills up and that woman absorbs all of the identity of Jesus Christ. And then he says, eat it, digest it, because it's who you are. So what I'd like to have us do is just one at a time come up and tear off a piece of the body of the woman, of the bride of Christ, dip it into the blood of Christ, which is grape juice. I am not one that believes that it turns magically into real blood. It's the symbol. And then eat it. Don't hold it. Just go ahead, stand there, take it, dip, eat, and go back to your seat. And so I will open up with prayer and then uh, we can just start right here and just move ourselves around. Father, I thank you for the power of the shed blood of our husband. I thank you, God, that we're the, the body, the bride of the King of Kings. I just can't think of anything, Father, that is more glorious than that to be carefully selected by you, Abba, to become a bridal member for your son, to literally become, in heaven's side, his body. I pray, Father, that you would please take this little body, cause these truths to go deep, and I pray that as we take this bread and we dip it into your cup, that we are truly reminded of the sacrifice that you took to protect your wife. And this, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. 
many people ask is what does that really mean or how does it benefit them well it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events and we will work to keep the focus on God Jesus Christ and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door if you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family integrated fellowships please log on to our website that is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a pile, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.